I find that people either love to talk about it or hate to talk about it. We are talking about money. If you're like, oh, darn, I don't want to listen to this. You're tempted to pause. You're probably the person who needs to listen. You're listening to Let's Get Naughty. A podcast for real talk and honest conversations about all things relationships and marriage. The good, the bad, and the naughty. Whether you're already married, almost married, or wanting to get married, we're here to help you build a solid foundation for a love that lasts. Let's Let's get get naughty, naughty, y'all. All All right, y'all. Welcome back. You're here with Cashmere and Molly Mason. Today, we are talking about one of people's favorite topics. Everybody loves to talk about this. I find that people either love to talk about it or hate to talk about it. Like some people do love to talk about it. That's actually very true. It's very polarizing. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I'm probably one of those weird people that actually enjoys this conversation. Because you're financially educated. Yeah. I mean, I work in finance, so it's (laughs) interesting to me. I feel like you hated this conversation when we first got married, but but now you're like totally okay with it. Yeah, so I'm sure you know from the title of this episode, we are talking about money. We are talking about money. So yeah, we do find that people either love or hate to talk about this. Generally, the latter. (laughs) It's not a fun conversation for most people. And there's a lot of reasons why. I mean, money is not always fun, mostly because we all come into the conversation around money with our own biases and fears and... You know, that's a whole other thing, I'm sure. But yeah, absolutely. And if you're someone that has a negative reaction to money being the topic of this podcast, then it's probably a good podcast for you to listen <laughs> that's to. That's right. If you're like, oh, darn, I don't want to listen to this, you're tempted to pause. You're probably the person who needs to listen. Yeah. So, so I mean, we have a lot to say about money. We've done a lot of research about this. Uh, we have a lot of opinions on a lot of things. But today we're going to talk specifically about if you should or shouldn't merge your finances when you get married and what it looks like to share money in your marriage. Yeah. So this is a really big topic. We get asked this all the time. And um, is it wise? Is it not wise? What does it look like? And so I think we're excited just to jump in a little bit here Mm -hmm. and look at some of the numbers, um, see, you know, even what's a biblical perspective, um, what just the research says. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so I think there's a lot that's said about money, starting with the Bible. The Bible talks a lot about money, like way more than you would ever think. People don't realize. Yeah. Actually, the number is the Bible mentions money 2,300 times. Jesus himself talked more about money than heaven and hell combined. He also talked more about money than prayer. I mean, like, it is a huge conversation in scripture. And we believe that's because God cares about money and how, how we use our money. Yeah. I I think it's very clear that yeah. the Bible has a lot to say about money and that God cares about money. And so... I think that's pretty convicting to say that we should care too. Yeah. Yeah. And so even if you're not, uh, even if you don't believe in the Bible, research makes it very clear that money is very important in marriage. And there's a lot that shows that to be true. The first of which being that it's always one of the top reasons for divorce. Yeah. 
there's a lot of research on divorce. And when you look at studies and the reasons for divorce, like always in the top three Mm -hmm. is going to be money, you know, one, two or three, depending on the study and the results, but it's really important. And it's a big reason that people get divorced and money's just a big deal Mm -hmm. and we don't like to talk about it. And so, yeah, I mean, it, it has a bigger influence on your marriage than what you would think. Right. Right. So knowing that money matters, let's look at a few angles of why you should and shouldn't merge your finances and how you should handle that inside marriage. Yeah. I mean, like you said, this is one of the biggest questions we get from pre-marital couples is should we share our money? Should we not? Should we get a prenup? Like all those conversations, there's a lot of advice saying that you should and shouldn't do those things. And it's a big topic of concern um, for couples going into marriage. How do we handle this? Do we keep separate accounts? Who pays the bills? Uh, What if one of us makes more than the other? I mean, it's a loaded conversation. There are so many angles. And as you get into depth and, and when you start talking to people, you realize that everyone has a, you know, like a good example is like, well, one of us makes more money than the other, Mm -hmm. or one of us has student debt and the other doesn't. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of different scenarios Mm -hmm. that, um, you know, people always wonder, is it, is it different? And so, um, we just kind of want to run through some of the top reasons that people choose not to share. Right. Just on the front end um, and what people are saying there. The first obvious reason that people choose not to share their money when they get married, you know, to keep separate accounts. And when we're referring to sharing money, that's what we're talking about, right? Like fully merging your finances, whether it's keeping separate accounts, deciding who pays for what. Bank accounts, investment accounts. Yeah. Yeah. So the first most obvious reason is that you are protecting yourself for if and when you get divorced and you no longer share things with your spouse. You're not married any longer. How, what does it look like to move forward from there and go your separate ways for you're protecting yourself from that by maintaining separate money? Yeah. I, we see this a lot. Yeah. And especially when, um, finances aren't equal going into marriage, Mm -hmm. this becomes really common Mm -hmm. in that, the person who might have more doesn't want to share or someone who has debt, you know, it it starts to get complex. And then, you know, to be fair with marriage statistics where they are, that you're at a 50% success rate. Yeah. People are looking down the road of what if we get divorced? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) makes sense, right? That you, of course, how does it factor in? Like we live in a community property state. Isn't that what it's called? Yeah. So, I, I mean, <laughs> we we live in Texas and so we have community property. And so it, it really does get messy from there yeah. in that all income and um, property and all, all of those <laughs> things are um, technically shared. But mm-hmm. I think things that you bring into marriage are considered separate Very property. Separate, yeah. So it's pretty complex. That's yeah, some. Um, yeah. You know, it's going to vary state to state. Sure. But that that's a big consideration. And even just looking at, you know, the ultimate version of um, keeping your 
finances separate in case of divorce as a prenup. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and that's very common. And there's a lot of advice right now in our generation, our culture, telling people to make those decisions to protect themselves for when, when you split. And that makes me sad that we're like in a society where we have to think about and plan for those things. But that's definitely the top reason. Yeah. The next reason we always get is that people don't want to have any limits on how they handle their money, mm-hmm. right? Like it's, this is my money. Yeah. I, you know, especially when both people work, you know, I work hard for my own money. Right. And so I get to choose how I spend it. Mm-hmm. We, we hear that one a lot, a lot. Yeah. And yeah, you want to be able to say exactly what you said. I, I worked hard for this. I earned this. I want to be able to do with it as I please. So kind of the, the third one we have really goes along with that is just wanting to be able to spend your money however you want without your spouse knowing is the second like layer of that is just like not just being able to spend it on what you want but being able to keep secrets from your spouse and like not have them question where the money is going and how much you're spending on things uh that's research shows a a big one for people is they they don't want to have to have accountability there yeah i think that's a big I think that's probably the underlying fear there is that if your spouse is able to see where your money's going and what's going on, that you have potential accountability mm-hmm. and, you know, your late night shopping spree on Amazon, you know, are you going to get questioned? That sounded personal. That might have been a personal <laughs> example in our, from our marriage, but, I, you know, we we won't go into that. <laughs> But like that's an example of something that someone might not want to have to answer to or if they want to buy a car and they don't want their spouse questioning, you know, how much it is or how much they can, you know, like those are just some very, very basic examples. That's something that people don't want to share. Mm Look, y'all, with divorce rates near 50%, there is no question getting married is one of the biggest decisions you'll ever make. That is why we created Ready to Not, our premarital course to help you build a solid foundation for a lasting marriage. You'll take the world's leading relationship assessment, get a personalized report on the strengths and growth areas of your relationship, and watch lessons where we help you understand your results and give you tools and exercises to grow in nine different areas. This is designed to give you structure to have the important conversations you need to have and to get clear on your expectations and everything from finances to family, conflict, sex, roles, faith, and so much more. Research has proven that investing your time in a course like this will increase your marriage success rate by 30%. Don't just prepare for your wedding day. Invest time preparing for the lifelong marriage that will follow it. And if you're already married, can we just say that this would make an amazing wedding gift? With Ready to Not, we'll help you move into marriage with clarity and confidence. And a special discount just for Let's Get Naughty listeners? Go to knottedmarriage.com slash ready to not and use code LGK25 for $25 off. That's knottedmarriage.com slash R-E-A-D-Y-T-O-K-N-O-T and use code LGK25 for $25 off. Now back to the episode. Another reason that people 
don't like to talk about finances. And, and this was something that we found doing some research that I thought was really interesting is that a lot of couples don't want to discuss finances because they're afraid of discussing it's going to create conflict in their relationship yeah. and in that they're going to fight about it. Right. They know money's stressful. It causes fights. So let's just keep our money separate and not talk about it and not deal with it because then we won't fight about it. Yeah. So this is a hard situation. There's a lot of pitfalls in handling it and handling it well. And so rather than do anything, mm -hmm. we're just going to avoid it completely. Yeah. So an interesting uh, stat from one of the studies we found in particular, it was a 2017 survey by TD Ameritrade reported that one third of married participants admit that they aren't 100% financially faithful, as they called it, to their spouse. Now that's one third admitting it. <laughs> I would guess there's even more than that would say that to be true. Um, and they talked about how they want to maintain separate accounts so that they can do whatever they want with their money and keep secrets from their spouse on how they spend it. That's definitely the theme across the research that we did was just like wanting to have that lack of accountability, like to have the freedom. I think freedom is probably a word that stands out. People assume by not sharing money, you have more freedom. Yeah, I, that is definitely a lot of what we see from the research and what we've, what we've even heard is just, I think we've heard it phrased a lot of different ways. Mm -hmm. And we've heard a lot, like we've talked about, everyone has a different situation. Um, and at the end of the day, like they try and we, we've heard a lot of people frame their situations to say, well, I have a unique situation, mm -hmm. but it, but it really is those core reasons from mm -hmm. what we've seen mostly as like what's truly behind yep. those reasons. And so I feel like, you know, after reviewing some of those reasons not to share financials, we should probably share what our perspective is <laughs> on this. I wonder if anyone's going to be surprised, yeah. but yeah, we feel very strongly against all of the reasons we just listed and the research and scripture backs the stance that we have come to take. And I would say the longer we've been married and the more couples we've worked with, the stronger we've become in our, our stance on this side of really just believing that finances should be a shared experience inside your marriage. Yeah. We think that when you choose to say, I do, and you choose to share your life that includes your finances, mm -hmm. the good, the bad, and the ugly, as we yeah. like to say here on Knotted. <laughs> but, you know, if one couple, one person in a couple has, you know, $100,000 in savings, like that's crazy. And then someone else has $100,000 in debt, like that's crazy. Mm -hmm. But when they come together, they both share that yep. would be our perspective. Because that is going, you know, choose choosing unity there is a hard decision, but I think something that we would say is really valuable. Yeah. But let's let's jump into some of the research about merging accounts yeah. and just look at some of the different perspectives that we've seen just from research. Yeah. So the first is a study from UCLA that showed couples who maintained separate finances were less satisfied in their relationship and more likely to split up. The research is actually really clear across a lot of different studies that maintaining separate finances, you are more likely to get divorced. 
Yeah, and some of the stats are pretty significant that you have a much higher risk Mm -hmm. of divorce and unhappiness if you don't merge and share your finances. And I, this was very interesting when, you know, we were getting married and I, we just like looked it up and started doing research and, you know, seeking wisdom there and it's crazy. And Mm -hmm. so I think that was something we didn't fully understand Mm -hmm. the importance of going into marriage, Mm -hmm. but just for me, like before I even understood the importance of it, just go look up the statistics Yeah, because Maybe maybe it's because I'm a math, finance, and <laughs> statistics guy. guy that the finances or the, the statistics are scary, you know, in that if if this marriage is the most important thing to you, why wouldn't you merge those finances? Yeah. yeah. And so that's something that I have a question is, you know, uh, a lot of people believe that they're going to beat the odds, mm. but why, why tempt fate here? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, it's really interesting as you, as you were talking about that, my brain went to like, okay, it's like the chicken and the egg situation, right? Like the couples who maintain separate finances, are they more likely to get divorced because they're the couples who are planning for divorce or, you know, like what, what's causing what there. Right. But I think it's pretty obvious that they're related and a big piece of that. And I think hopefully really at the heart of our beliefs about finances and marriage and what scripture says and like where we get our um, authority from is that when you get married, you become one. And that is the everything. That's everything. And so we just have seen this again. (laughs) Research shows it to be true. And we have seen it anecdotally on both sides when couples share their finances and see themselves as one unit with one, you know, set of finances, they are so much more likely to apply that same thinking to every area of their lives and the opposite being true. The couples that we know who maintain separate finances, you can absolutely see that reflected in how they approach everything in their marriage. Yeah. And I, I think one of, you know, a, something that comes as a consequence that we see from separate finances is just decision making and mm. unity in that. Because when you make a decision in marriage, whether it's we're going on vacation, you know, do we buy a house or not? It's a lot of times centered around finances. Mm. And so if both people are not on the same page and there's not unity there, even if you're sharing the information, it it just isn't the same. And right. We, because we see those decisions creating disunity. Right. Right. So even if let's say you're maintaining separate finances, but then you're having conversations about like, okay, well, we're evenly splitting the bills. Like we've seen this with yeah. couples who maintain separate finances because one of them feels strongly that like, no, I make more. I've worked hard for this. I want to be able to do with it what I want. We've seen them say, okay, well, we're going to like equally share these bills. This who this is who pays for what. And this is how we're going to be like, quote unquote, unified. <laughs> um, that even if you're having conversations and you're on the same page about how that's being handled, you are still seeing it as my money and your money. And that is 
that's just not helpful in marriage when the goal is to be us. It's to be unified. And so. Yeah, I'm, I'm really glad you brought up the bill split. That's actually another really popular one, especially nowadays is, well, I'll have my money. You'll have your money and maybe we'll have one joint account that we'll pay bills out of and we both fund it Mm -hmm. equally or you take half the bills and I'll take other half of the bills. You know, it's really the same. Yeah. The, you know, the mechanics might be different, but it's really the same um, thing there. But like that, that's not being married. Right. That's not being being one. one. That is being roommates. Yeah. That's being two (laughs) separate people that have their own stuff and that are coming together to equally pay bills like that. Yeah. And so I think, I think it's important. This is something we say a lot with the couples that we do mentor when we have this conversation, like we're not here to tell you exactly how to handle the mechanics. Like we know there's a lot of different ways to do this. Um, you know, technically we still have our own accounts kind of, (laughs) We each have our name on one. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I don't we, know the technicalities. Like, if we want to get technical, when when we merged our finances, I mean, we were really young and very we had broke, literally no money, <laughs> and so we had uh, each a checking and a savings account, and we didn't like choose to do one account, but we both added each other as signers on the account. And then we like merged our logins. (laughs) And so, you know, we have full access. Technically we still have separate accounts, but, and so what I wanted to say with that was like the technicalities, the, the mechanics of it, it might make sense for you to say like, okay, we're going to pay these bills out of this account and we're going to save in this account. Like, you know, I mean, do with it what you will. But I think it's mostly what we're trying to communicate is the heart of like, is it my money that I get to decide what to do with that I earned that I keep that I, you know, I'm protective over or is it our money? And we're like working together on how to use it. Yeah. And I I think just some easy tests there is, do you both have equal visibility to Mm. the money and you have equal access and control to the money yeah for and sure so I, I i think the mechanics there are where we don't really care I yeah think. and honestly my head is spinning now with all the conversations we can have about who who if one of you is more financially um adept than the other if one of more than likely one of you is the one actually like handling the money budgeting <laughs> like all those things we have we we have a lot of thoughts on that, but yeah. that for, might have to be another yeah. episode where we talk about like how to actually handle the money, right? But just like today, term- we want to talk about like why you should or shouldn't merge your money, and, and you should. <laughs> and clearly, we believe you should. So this is a little bit repetitive on the other study, but he- here's an interesting quote from one of the studies: "Is that while falling in love and managing budgets don't always go hand in hand." The research shows that it pays to pool finances if you're seeking a higher level of satisfaction, harmony, and commitment in your serious relationship. So it it's it's not just divorce, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's really is commitment, being on the same page, yeah. communication, like all of those sharing your money is going to help. So we just wanted to point that out. 
you know, to kind of going back and just looking at the reasons we said not to share your money. Mm -hmm. The first being your, you know, planning in case you get divorced. I think our, our question is if you're planning to get divorced, you're practicing to get divorced. Mm -hmm. And so if you're going to get married and you're going to make that commitment, your vow is till death do us part, you Mm -hmm. know, like take that vow seriously and don't half commit to this thing. Yeah. Yeah. So if, if you're not ready to share your money, I think our suggestion would be, are you ready to get married? Are you ready to get married? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's a big question. So that, that's a strong perspective, but uh, I think we, we feel pretty strongly about that. Yeah. The next one being wanting the freedom to feeling protective over your money, feeling possessive over the money you worked hard for, and then wanting the freedom to not wanting your spouse to like see everything you spend. Yeah. Well, okay. So there's a few things. First is just, (laughs) I'm laughing because I was about to say my uh, tagline that you are going to start a tally on. Mutual sacrifice. No, what is it? No, humility. Humility, humility is always thing. the answer. Humility's I got. I guess I got to add a a yeah. dollar to the humility jar. I'm gonna be rich <laughs> in the humility. Actually, fun fact: when Cashmere asked me to be his girlfriend, he created a douchebag jar. Okay, that this is New like Girl. a major side tangent from <laughs> New Girl, and we'll have to explain that a different time. We'll have to explain it a different time, but that's but why. But now I need a humility jar. <laughs> yeah, so you have a douchebag jar, and I have a humility You're going to be filling it up. I'm going to be full of humility <laughs> because of what okay. you're filling up. Well, but I bring up humility because humility is really about like laying down of self and choosing your spouse and your unity over your own selfish desires. And so much of what we see in the desire to maintain separate finances is that pride of saying like either one, no, I worked for this. So I get to decide what I do with it or two, like, no, I want to be able to spend my money how I want to. Like all of that is just selfishness. And so Again, we'll get into technicalities later. We do believe when you share money that there should be an allotment within your budget where you each get to spend on what you want. And like, I don't have to question that money that you're getting. You can do what you want with it (laughs) within reason, I guess. You know, not on like ridiculous things. But anyways, sorry, my mind went somewhere dark there. But um So, you know, again, we'll get to that later, but just like, it's, it's just that heart of choosing unity over choosing selfishness. So to me, that's just what I hear when I hear that deep defensiveness of your finances. It's like, okay, well, how, how are you, are you, do you have that heart? Are you carrying that heart of selfishness into other areas of your marriage too? And almost always the answer is yes. Yeah, and I I think it's choosing the unity of your marriage over selfishness. Yeah. And so, um, and also being willing to communicate with your partner, right? Like, I think that's one of the biggest things that we've seen is that people don't want to have to communicate through what they're doing with their money Mm -hmm. because of the potential conflict. But that that's good to do that. Like, 
So when people do do that, and that that's what they're saying, that's what leads to the higher levels of harmony mm-hmm. um, and satisfaction is because you do say, hey, is is this what we want to do? Or like, how, how do we want to do this? And then you leave that conversation feeling more unified. And it's not easy, but, you know, sometimes the easier path is not the wise path. Right, right. Yeah. So I think what you just said of sharing your money, forcing you to work through those conversations and therefore having a stronger line of communication. The other big reason that people don't want to share their money, one is being able to spend it on whatever you want, but also being able to do that in secret and not have your spouse have to know. And to me, that is just another huge red flag. Like why does your spouse not get to know what you're spending your money on? I mean, not to get grim here, but like we all know that people who are having affairs, like they're doing that because their spouse doesn't know that they're like getting hotel rooms. Like seriously, that's, that's like, that's how people find out about this stuff, right? Like you hear that all the time. And so there, we are big believers that there should be nothing hidden in your marriage and maintaining separate finances. Even if you aren't doing anything shady, like it still creates space to be able to do that. And it creates an environment where you feel like you have this layer of protection over having to share things with your spouse. Yeah. I think there's, I think that's the most obvious way of, you know, keeping money secret is because you're using it for other ways to cheat on your spouse. Mm -hmm. But there's, there's a lot of ways that might not be as direct. It might be, a hidden gambling problem right. or you want to go spend money that benefits you and not your partner. Mm-hmm. And th- there's a lot right there. Sure. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of dark ways and things that, you know, people don't like to share, <laughs> talk about money because they don't want to see it. It's kind of something we like keeping in the dark mm-hmm. and that that's just not healthy for a marriage, mm-hmm. right? Like, hidden things in marriage always create problems. Yep. Yeah. They and, all, even if they start innocent, they just having that dark environment where you have that secrecy and privacy, it that's just what it does. Like our our flesh desires to go and move more in that direction and you know, even if it's not going to end in like I said, a <laughs> hotel room affair. Like I know that that's extreme, but it's still even if it's even if it's small things, it's still just that heart of keeping things in the dark from your spouse. And that's not unity in marriage. Yeah. This is a total side note, but this was really funny in a conversation we were having. Um, We know so much of like, we have a little too much information about (laughs) what each other are doing because we, we track our finances, you know, pretty well. And so we can see, you know, what, is going on all the credit cards. And so well, if I go out to eat or go golfing, your joke, your joke it is always... that like you can't hide from me because I, I'm, a, I'm the one who does our budget, which again, we'll get to that later. I like, we talk, we mutually agree on our budget, but I like keep up with the weekly. Yeah. You like do budget. all of our. So I know every transaction that you spend. I, we use, um, mileage, mileage tracking yeah. Yeah, app. Which so I know like, everywhere you drive. So it's a mileage tracker for, um, for work for, and yeah. for expensing miles. And 
what you have to do is you have to like swipe left or right for personal versus work trips. And so even if it's a personal trip, Molly gets to see everywhere I drive. Yeah. And then even and then we like even brought it to a new level recently because um I've been running a little further than Molly when we've been going out. And so or or we've been cycling too. Mm-hmm. And so Molly will be like, Oh man, I wonder when he's coming home. Rather than call me on a run, she's pulling up, find my iPhone. Yeah, and we're, find my friends. And she can see where I'm at. So she'll be like, oh, okay, he's 20 minutes away, you know? And- yeah. So he, he joked, well, there was some, oh, your Apple Watch. Like when you do a workout, I get a notification that you like finish your workout. So I know like when you're done at the gym and stuff. So anyways, like this is ridiculous. But you joked that like, okay, I can't keep any secrets from my wife because she knows everywhere I am and everything I'm doing, which is ridiculous. That's like so millennial of us, like tech stalking our spouse. but. The the funny thing about that, like we can joke about that because we have such an open marriage. Like we don't hide anything from each other. And so that you know about. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> like it, we can joke about that because you don't feel the desire to keep any of those things from me. Like you're not concerned that I know about any of that stuff. And so I don't know. Sometimes when I go and get like food without you, that kind of, that's probably like the closest <laughs> like the cheating cl- experience. Oh, a hundred percent. Like you cheat if, on me with food. If I go and got ice cream without you or something that, no, that it's would normally, be. It's normally when I'm like doing our, our budget and I'm categorizing our transactions. I was like, you went to Panda Express? Yeah. <laughs> like if you're ever eating without me, you always Molly go. will be like out of town and I'll be like, <laughs> Yes, Panda Express is something that like yeah, you always get Molly the, can't and won't eat. Yeah, you always so. go get the fast food. I can't eat because I have gluten allergies. Anyways, uh, yeah, you always we always joke that that's like how you cheat on me with food. That's probably not funny to other people, but it's funny in our marriage. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> sure that I feel like we're laughing about things that might not be funny. Yeah, but, but anyways, uh, you, that was a side tangent, but you shared that, and it is relevant because as ridiculous as it is that I know like all these details of what you do and when you do it, that really is important to the heart of our marriage because we don't keep secrets from each other. And we like, it's, it is important that there's not room for, I don't know, like shadiness, I guess. Yeah. And I, I think that just goes to one of our core desires for how people handle their money and that's to have complete unity. Yeah. Right. We want unity in every area of your marriage. And money is one of the most important things in life and in marriages. And so have unity in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And another really important thing is we've talked about this, but to have communication. Mm-hmm. Right. Like when money is separate. It's just a way to not have conversations. And those are probably conversations that should be had. Mm -hmm. And so don't just think you're making things easy by not talking about money. Like have those conversations because that will lead to more unity and being on the same page. And hey, marriage is the most important thing. And so do those things. So when we got married... First of all, we were so young and broke. (laughs) Yeah, we were like freshly out of college. Yeah, we we had nothing to our name. But 
one of the things that was hard in this conversation first for us was that you had student debt and I didn't. Yeah. And, and you kind of struggled with that because you were, you, I know you felt kind of guilty. You felt like you were bringing that burden to our marriage. Yeah, no, that totally felt like a burden and just a weight that, um, I was bringing into the marriage. Yeah. Now, first of all, uh, to me, that was not even a concern. Like it didn't even phase me. I did not see that as your debt that you needed to pay because number one, I knew that my lack of debt wasn't anything of my doing. I mean, you know, I worked hard for scholarships, but you did too. Like a lot of it just had to do with my situation. Like my parents gave me the blessing of no debt when I graduated. That was a gift that I got. So I I didn't feel any righteousness over you. In yeah. That I mean, your biggest mistake was going to a, a wealthy school <laughs> and picking the poorest guy at the school. You love to make that joke. <laughs> yeah, I do like making it's that joke. True. I definitely could have married someone with a lot more money than you, but that, I mean, that's as much as we joke about that, like that's not, it wasn't even a factor. Right. And so, yeah. so, so two things like number one, I was able to see my lack of debt, bringing debt into our marriage wasn't anything, you know, essentially like not feeling righteousness over that, but also just like, it was not hard for me to see like, no, like we're a team now we're going to, we're going to tackle this debt together. And like, that's, that's absolutely now I will say it's probably easier for me to feel that way because you were making more money than me. I, we have had conversations with couples where one makes significantly more than the other. They have no debt. They've like worked really hard to be financially free. And then they marry someone who is not making much money and they have a lot of debt. And that that's hard. Like that, it, I t- can totally understand how that's hard. Well, coming out of college, I wasn't making that much more money than you are. Well, but... you kind of were because I was making like literally nothing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But we both didn't make a lot more yeah, money. Yeah, right. But... I have been the sure. primary breadwinner, yeah. and but I feel like that's like been, I would say more like the financial hardship was more me bringing in debt early on. Yeah. And then later in our marriage, I think the like about like, you know, we, we just talk about like finances aren't always equally contributed, you know, like our contribution to the marriage is equal, but finances are different because I've made more money yeah um, financially yeah i mean we didn't we haven't even brushed on that (laughs) but that whole concept of if one makes more than the other and you're and you're seeing your money as one like you do contribute more to our family financially than i do but i am equally receiving of the money you make because we're a team and we have we live our life together and we are a unit and so i a lot of people can look at that and see that as unfair, but I mean, I guess I can't speak for you, but like, I don't think you question seeing it that way that we are one and we're both contributing to our family in different ways. And like, you're not over here, like counting pennies on how things are going. But I, I just, I know, I guess I just want to acknowledge that I know this is a really hard conversation and there's a lot of there's a lot of heaviness going into this conversation for a lot of people. I think for us, it was easier when we got married because we had no money at all, but that doesn't mean that it's not a hard conversation to have. And it's not, 
like scary and it's not challenging to like open your hands and say like, okay, well, I'm going to, I'm going to unite myself to my partner. And like, when you do that, you are taking on their debt and their income. You're taking on like their amazing qualities and their sins and their brokenness. Like that is marriage. It's taking everything and uniting yourself to all parts of that person. And and that's included financially. Yeah. I, I mean, I completely agree. I think one verse that I just love for this, and I mean, we all know this verse, it's Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Yeah. And I think that just speaks so much in how we handle our finances, our attitude towards merging finances is if someone says, well, I'm not sure I want to merge finances and they can, um, you know, give me a full financial report and analysis on why merging finances wouldn't work in their situation. I, I think just my question is, is like, Hey, where, where's your heart in this? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, because to me, merging finances is just a question about your heart and your desire for unity with your spouse. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Well, we kind of we kind of go hard to the paint sometimes. <laughs> we do. We, we obviously feel pretty strongly. And hey, like we would encourage you to take what we shared and clearly you heard our opinion, but go and do your own research and look at what you believe. If if you believe in the Bible, read scripture, what scripture has to say about finances and unity in marriage. Um, look at look at the stats. Look at couples in your life like that was clear to us too. When we looked around us at families who shared finances and families who didn't, it was pretty clear like how that impacted their marriage. And so that was a big factor for us too, is just like seeing the evidence as well as doing the research. Um, So, you know, with everything with this podcast, we don't claim to have it all together or to be experts. We're not saying that we're perfect at this. We're coming on pretty strong about our beliefs, but that's because We've seen the benefit of of sharing our finances, and we've also seen a lot of couples struggle when they don't. And so, like everything that we say, just take it and and make make your own decision. But we hope that that's a helpful start. Yeah, and so that's that's part of our hope for this is you know we hope that you found this to be an educational and interesting perspective on uh, merging finances. And if you're looking to get married, we hope that you guys sit down and have a conversation about how you guys want to do that when you guys get married. And then for people who are married, we hope that this sparks a conversation too is, hey, are we unified? And if not, like, how do we start being? And even if your answer is yes, like, how do we continue to be more unified in Mm -hmm. finances? It's such an important topic. And what ways is finances leading to conflict in our marriage? Because Mm -hmm. I mean, check the statistics. It's a reason for conflict. Yeah. 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 So we hope this was helpful for you. If you're not married, we do dive into finances and ready to not. So we're going to continue to tell us about, we're going to continue to tell you about our resource that we worked really hard to create for you because we believe that it's going to be really helpful. So if you're not yet married, we know ready to not creating the space for those conversations, giving you exercises and prompts to work through and having those conversations around finances. Um, but like you said, Cash, I mean, 
if you are married and you're listening to this and you're like, well, we don't share our finances, it's not too late to to make changes um, or to to go a different way. So, yeah. And one of our ideas for a future podcast is to talk about, OK, so you're sharing your finances. How do we do this? Like, how do we do this? Well, uh, and I think that's like a whole nother conversation that. Yeah, we definitely I think we'll create many more episodes regarding finances because there's so much to go into. So we'll just open the door for y'all now. If you have questions about finances in marriage, how to handle it, whether it's like who does the budget, who makes the money, who decides how it gets spent. I mean, there's savings versus spendings. Yeah. Yeah. yeah all that. So um, we, <laughs> we have a lot of opinions. One, because it's been an important part of us navigating life together. Two, because you're a financial guy, but, uh, we do, we do have a lot of wisdom that we've learned along the way and, um, research that we've done. So we'll just open the door now, you guys, if you have questions, um, there's multiple ways to submit to us if you want to DM us on Instagram, but the best option, if you go always in the show notes for every episode, I have a link for you guys to contribute to the show. Um, you can submit anonymously there if you would prefer so feel free to send anonymous questions or you can send us your info if you if you want. But um, let us know what questions you have or what you'd like to hear us talk about in regards to finance and how we can dive into those conversations around marriage. Yeah. Or if you have a situation financially that you have questions or yeah. just want to like throw it our way and get our perspective on, like send that over um, and we'd love to chat with you guys about it. Yeah. Finance Q&A episode coming soon. So submit your questions. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see you guys next week for the next episode. Have a great week. Bye y'all. Thanks so much for hanging out with us for another episode of Let's Get Naughty. Remember to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And if you want more encouragement, join us on Instagram and YouTube at Knotted Marriage to check out all the other resources we have to help you build a tighter marriage. If this conversation encouraged you in any way, please consider leaving us a review on whatever platform you're listening and posting a screenshot on social media. That support means more than you know and really helps us reach more couples. We'll see you for next week's episode. Go get naughty.